Welcome back, listeners, to the Kyber Pass podcast. Bringing you interviews each week with improvisers for a glimpse at a shadow. of what goes in to making a musician become interested and dedicated to improvisation. This week, Alden Akita, drummer, playing at the Kyber Pass in trio setting with George Cartwright on saxophones and Josh Kornowski upright bass. As always, the podcast is made possible by the Kyber Pass Cafe. I am your host, Paul Metzger. This week, we present, as per usual, a short excerpt from the concert. Followed by conversation with Alden Akita. I hope that as you listen, you can also dig. Thank you. 
I'm never sure what time they start exactly. About here? 9.30? Yeah, here, 9, 9.30. 9.30. That's what yeah. I figured. So you're, you're, I think you're doing pretty good. good. But you got to sit up, I assume. Yeah, yeah. A drummer's life is... Yeah, a drummer's life is sort of hell. Yeah. You got to carry all that shit. Yep, you got to carry it. You got to deal with it. You got to buy it. You got to buy it. You got to protect it. Uh-huh. You got to take care of it. Load it in, load you it out. Load it in, load it out. Uh, and so. that's on top of all the other regular shit a musician does. Right. You know, keep your chops up, doing your thing. Right, Work right. on your mess. Right, right. But it's the drums. It's the drums, right. It's so beautiful, man. That's a, that's a different thing. And, and, I mean, uh, for me, that is my favorite instrument without a doubt tip top really the heap oh hell yeah really yep i gotta say i i i love them too right on you know i i i don't know if that would have been my first choice but well it was my first choice but that's what i latched on to let's was get gravitated into that. to let's go let's go into that zone so <sighs> Your first instrument you gravitated toward was a drums? Percussion type things. As a drums, kid? Like, as a kid, as a young kid. Like through hearing it? Through, through hearing it. Okay. And, so who are you listening and, to and, and that you hear that? When I, when I was a young kid, you know, I, I listened to, you know, I'm, I'm up there, you know, I'm, I'm from the back in the day. And, you know, I listened to Beatles, Sgt. Pepper's stuff. Mm -hmm. That's what I started with. And the Hendrix thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I love that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I love the Stones. You know, the uh, Brian Jones thing, I think, is brilliant stuff. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so how was it for you listening to Hendrix and his, like... Mitch Mitchell kind of popping out to you? He popped out to me, yeah. So, yeah, he popped out to me, and, of course, he, he sort of led me on to... <clears throat> pardon me. I got a frog in there. Yeah. Uh, you know, he sort of led me to other people. Alvin Jones, he was coming from that four-way coordination yeah. type thing. Yeah. But, but what really knocked me out when I was probably about... Well, I don't know, 11, 12 years old. Mm -hmm. Is that I think it was like the Merv Griffin show. Yeah. And it was Max Roach and Abby Lincoln right. doing a duet. And that just that just uh, this is yeah, this is this just blew my mind. I mean, it was it was incredible. It was just just the two of them. Damn. And they were doing their you know social, uh, uh, you know. Uh, struggle thing, 60s mm -hmm. struggle thing, mm -hmm. and uh, it, it just it just reached out to me. You know, I can see it, man, because I had my small chance to uh, see Max Roach play, uh -huh. and pretty near here at McAllister College. Right, I actually did heard heard that. Yeah, I did. That. You went yeah. to that? Or? I did. It was, oh, I did. Fuck me, man. And he was a great. Great dude, so wonderful solid. dude. I thought, yeah. what a generous man. He really was very generous. God, I wish I could have hung out with him more. And 
and picked his brain a little more but he was very generous and and he showed things you know like uh, his his conceptual uh, four-way coordination thing mm -hmm. which he had actually learned from Charlie Parker mm -hmm. Charlie Parker could could uh, kick around the drums mm -hmm. you know yeah, Charlie could do like a Charleston on the left foot yeah and then uh, what would he do uh, a, a shuffle on the left I can't do it right now I'd be fucking yeah, <laughs> I hear up. but he'd do a swing on the right uh -huh. I think a Charleston on the hi-hat no a shuffle with the left hand swing on the right Charleston left foot and I think four or something yeah on the bass so it was a exercise I hear you yeah and, and he picked you know Max sort of picked that up mm -hmm. from he said and I love the thing that he said about the way he thinks about his playing as language as poetry mm-hmm and mm -hmm. punctuation. Oh, yeah. It yeah. really got to me, man. <clears throat> I loved him for that. I mean, I was yeah. always a fan of him as a player. Yeah. But I got to get some small feel for him as an artist, you know, right. when he's saying... Right. And he did that demo on the hi-hat. Yeah, that yeah, shit? that thing. Yeah, that, that, yeah. He was all up know, and that, down on it. That thing, and yeah. yeah. That, that left, yeah, that's okay, crazy. Okay, so he was on Merv. He was on the. I, I, and you're uh, maybe it was. A, a no, kid. no, no. It was Mike Douglas. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think Mike of those Douglas. two as the same. Same dudes. Cats anyway, man. They're, they're in, they were like. <laughs> they're like men in black or whatever yeah. they are. They're aliens. But yeah. they're the same dudes. Yeah. So. But yeah, he was on one of those daytime shows with Abby Lincoln, and it was a duet, that's which is pretty mental. out, you know, for that time. Please. I mean, that's out, you yeah. know, you think about that. Yeah, that's solid. And, uh... And at that point, you're not playing yet, because you're like a kid. Yeah. Whatever. This is like late yeah. 60s. Yeah. I got a hold of a snare drum. Okay. Somebody gave me that. All right. And I started on that. And then, you know, I banged around on that, screwed around on that, worked, practiced a lot. And so it's just you as a young kid? You're yeah. like what age about, just roughly? Oh, 12, 13. Okay. You're just a little shit. Just a little shithead. <laughs> Sounding like shit. And, and, uh, and so but, you just kind of set up, like, in the basement of your house or in your Right, room, in the or? basement. My, you know, mother, she put up with it which mm -hmm. was really nice and and eventually my older brother got a hold of a drum kit and he couldn't play it he couldn't and I sort of picked it up oh, relatively so older brother yeah after up a, a while yeah maybe got bored with yeah, it yeah he couldn't he didn't have the and thing. then you kind of just right. slide in I slid in on that right so what are you doing so you're you're just a early teenager and you say you're practicing so are you yeah. playing along with the recording I, I play along with the recordings and you know about the age of 60 you know, high school late high school is when I got really serious into it uh, there used to be a club in Minneapolis called the Rainbow Gallery Okay. And they had, you know, Braxton played there uh, with 
you know, Barry Alshaw and Muhal Richard Abrams and Dave right. Holland, you know, that great band All that right. they had for a while. Things like that. Uh, who else played there? Lee Konitz. And I and you know, I'd hang there and I'd I'd sit in with different people. Okay. You know, uh, I'd hang out and I'd study with some of these. There were still some older guys, you know, from the bebop era mm -hmm. around at that time. Yeah, I can that, that, totally see that. That I sort of studied with, mm -hmm. you know. So let, let me back up a little bit because okay. I'm just so curious about how people develop what they do mm -hmm. musically, mm -hmm. uh, especially an improviser. Mm -hmm. uh, so you went through, you know, school through high school did mm -hmm. you, were you in band at all you know People i did really wasn't in, I, I really wasn't in band mm -hmm. i i was in it for a while mm -hmm. uh on percussion or were uh, you uh, percussion snare drum mm -hmm. and it, it just wasn't my thing i wasn't tutored i wasn't yeah. a very good reader i was more of a you know it, it just wasn't my thing it was a little too square and it sounds it's like you were already hip yeah to what your thing was and you knew how to go to it well in a, in a sense like. i was intuitively and, and maybe intuitively maybe mm -hmm. maybe and i want to say one other thing that really knocked me out and I, and I was more like 13 14 maybe around the hendrick when i got into that was a, a record sunship by john coltrane was the mm -hmm. first j jazz record i i had listened to Okay. And that really, I didn't understand it, mm -hmm. but that really, that really knocked me out. I mean, I, I wore that out listening to so that. So how did you get to that album? I'm just curious. Cause that, from the library, you know, I looked yeah, at the man, record. Yeah, man, there it is. Yeah. The library. Yep. You know, rec everything is, is on records, end. you know. You know that. In that era, because I'm an old yeah. timer myself. everything is on fucking you records. You could go to the library. Right, in the library. That was the internet. <laughs> you could yes. get down there. Yes. Downtown Minneapolis yes. library had yes. the grand pianos right. down there. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, albums. Yeah, it was a could, different way. I found out all kinds of shit that way. Yeah. It was but a it's different, different. Way. Yeah, because there's, a different there's leg work. Yeah, it's legwork. Now there's so much, you know, you go on YouTube and you see like Cecil Taylor live and. You know, some mansion in mm -hmm. France from 69, which is yeah. beautiful. Yeah. You know, God, what an educational thing. Because, you know, when you're watching it, it's a different thing than listening to it. You know what I mean? That's a whole nother When I first realm. heard Cecil Taylor. Yeah. You know, like, just like his albums are just like graphic art and right. shit. Right. I thought the guy, I swear, it was like 6'5". Yeah. 250 with forearms. Yeah. Because, my God, he has the power, the stamina to just bring right. forever. Then I right. got to look at dude. Right. Right. He's a little guy. That guy had power. I, I always say he, he had power. Like, I mean, I don't compare him in any way, shape, or form, but there's some people that just have certain amounts of power like uh, uh, Buddy Rich type guy, Cecil mm -hmm. Taylor, Elvin Jones, Elvin, uh, Eric Gravatt, or you know, some people wrong, you know, people, 
there's certain people that have that energy level that is just incredible and Cecil was one of those and it comes and went on and on yeah the, the ability Jimmy Lyons and to just, kill for yes, so yes. long and then oh, oh, shit. that's okay oh, no no that's fine nothing really breaks oh, fuck I'm sorry no, man good. Good. I was getting a little carried away no, there about no, that no no we all get carried away Is it okay? Yeah, it's fine. Okay, I'm sorry about that. No, no. Apology rejected. Oh, This is all fine. All right. (laughs) So. Uh, Yeah, because we're getting a little jacked up about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that music will get you jacked up. Yeah. And it was powerful. And Mm -hmm. and, uh, I saw Cecil three times. I saw him. The first time I saw him was the first time I went to New York mm-hmm. in my early 20s. And I, I got into town, never been to New York, it was probably 2 a.m. And I went in the Blue Note of all places. Okay. I don't think he ever played there after that. Because uh-huh. that was, you know. And uh, uh, it was Frank Wright, Jimmy Lyons, I forgot who the drummer was, mm-hmm. and the, William Parker. Oh, okay. and, and two drummers and, and Frank Wright and Jimmy. So that was a, a sort of a that was an eye opener. That, that was an eye opener, man. So what that do you was do, man? Opener. So so you're in your early twenties. What are you yeah. doing going to New York? Were you? I was to, I was going to move there for a while. I was planning on moving there. Was this part of uh, musical development? Yeah, just a, yeah. yeah. All right. So this is around. It's going to be mid-70s, early 70s? Uh, it would be more, uh, let, me, let me see, 20, uh, more like about 80, 81. 80, 81, 80, 81. 80, okay. 80, yeah, 80s. And 80s. that's going to be sort of early on, kind of early inklings of like the downtown scene right what was right. it was that happening I, at that all wasn't yet? really i don't know if if I, I i would go to a club called there was a club called the neither nor and that was more like uh uh jameel moondock and dennis charles and uh, uh who else um billy bang william parker Frank Wall, that crew. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that was a hell zone then, you know, back in Alphabet City was, that was a hell zone back then. I, I don't even know what it's like now. I haven't Fancy. been there. It's, it's, very, it's probably Apple stores there now. Because <laughs> that was like a war zone. That probably looked like East Berlin after the, for the war or something. I hear you. Know? I totally hear I mean, you. New York wild. is weird because you can know about a neighborhood Right. And then 10 years later, someone's going, oh, I'm going to this neighborhood. You go, like, right. do not fucking go there, dude. Right. But right. Then it's all it's been so gentrified, gentrified and right. shifted. Right. And it's. Yeah. See, it's a weird town. It's that a way. weird town. I haven't been there in a while. I have to go back, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of out of that loop. So you plan to what? What were you doing, man? You move out there for you real? Know, or are you just. I was going to move. You know, out? I was feeling it out, but I had kids here. I had mm-hmm. a couple kids. I, I Well, I, I had a, a son. Mm hmm. Uh, that was a little later, like my 20, 23 or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was all set up to go there, but, you know, I had a, a, a 
family son and it was hard for me to I couldn't get him out there and we were divorced and mm -hmm. and you know that was the choice I made but you know I still kept my ears open and yeah I completely that's, that's, dig that's what you but you got do. out that way and you checked I did get to check them out I also went to Chicago I would go to Chicago quite a bit mm -hmm. and hang out down there Okay, so you'd hang in Chicago a bit, and yeah. but you're mostly located out of the Twin Cities, right? Would you say, right? Yeah. So are you beginning to play in town here? Around yeah, the yeah. I would play, you know, uh, more. Let's see, commercial jazz type thing, you know, bebop or whatever. And I, I tried to play with more like in the community type places, like, uh, well, what could I say? Like, uh, all over on Concordia, there used to be these halls where people come in there during happy hours, and it would be packed with people at four really? in the afternoon. Wow, okay. You know, I don't know that. And there, and there were some hip players, you know? Yeah. And. And uh, they, they, they took me in and treated me really good. And I, I had a chance to do that. And I'm, I'm really happy I could do that. So that, that was more out, you're saying? Maybe you, you found scenes where people were getting outside more than some, maybe being a straight bop band or... Well, this, is, this was more like bop maybe stuff. A little, little okay. more R&B bop type... Turrentine type stuff. Oh, okay. That, that type thing. I'm trying to think of when I started to get more into the out thing. Uh, probably with some different younger guys that mm -hmm. played uh, a, a fellow named Bill Lang, a tenor player, people more my age. Mm -hmm. And of course, I'd listen to the people around here, uh, Milo, uh, you know the different practitioners around here. Okay. Yeah. And and so I, you know, I always heard that. Mm -hmm. But then somehow I just developed into that. I just think it's all. To me, it's just sort of one thing. You know, mm -hmm. it's just different time. You know, yeah, it's I just, can dig. Yeah. I think there's three different time, two or three different times. Mm -hmm. And and. In a sense, they're related. You know, mm -hmm. I don't think there's much difference. But was there, like, so you're in your 20s, you're playing around town a bit, mm -hmm. and you're checking local shows, mm -hmm. going out to Chicago, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. going to New York for mm -hmm. a bit, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. starting a family or having mm -hmm. a family, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. uh, your kid and shit, mm -hmm. and... Then what happens, man? You're you're uh, well, you're still in that thing up through. Later on, I got involved in this thing called Impork, okay, with uh, Michelle Kinney and some other people, John Devine, and they'd bring in people like Don Cherry and mm -hmm. Butch Morris and Julius Hampel. And here we are, abruptly, 
The recording device stopped on its own accord, deciding where conversation record would be ended. Alden Akita, percussionist. You heard him in trio with George Cartwright, saxophone, and Josh Kornowski, upright. I am your host, Paul Metzger, and I'm looking forward to the next episode. What that holds at this time is unknowable. Thank you for listening. Until next time.